lot of people were home drinking beer and wine. So now they come out and they really are excited about our martinis because we have such an extensive martini list. So it's, I think they're like, I'm bored with beer and wine. Just make me something fabulous, something different. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Woolco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. I am your host, Stephen Toberoff, and today is really a very special interview for me on many levels because I have the opportunity to speak with someone and and talk about what I think is such a great establishment and such a great place to go and was a big part of my life for many years when I lived in the neighborhood. So I just want to jump right into it and introduce my guest, which is Alexis El Sayed, the general manager of Art Bar in New York City. Alexis, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you so much for including Art Bar and myself, Stephen. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, Art Bar, for those of you that don't know, it's in the West Village. And Woolco Foods, before we moved to Jersey City in 2004, we were located on Gansevoort Street. And as Alexis, as you and I were talking before we began the interview, I lived in that neighborhood and went to Art Bar often in the in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it's just one of those very special places that is a home away from home for people. So you started going right at the beginning because they opened, I believe, around 1989. Yep. I went right in the beginning. I moved back to New York in 1993 and that bar, and there was another bar, which maybe you're familiar with in the neighborhood, WXOU on Hudson Street. I don't know if that rings a bell. And I don't know that they're still around anymore, but those were two spots But when you started going there, was it still a gaming bar? No, it was not a gaming bar. You had the bar, they had that great jukebox, and there was the back room. We still have a digital jukebox. You still have a digital (laughs) jukebox, okay. It was a a great spot because you had the digital, well, it was a regular jukebox back then, and you had the back room. But it was great because, although I, I, you know, at that time I was drinking and I would drink basic things, but you had really great selection. And also the food then, and it's been many years, was terrific. I remember the fried calamari and the hamburgers. It was it was a place where you could go and go there for drinks, but also just have a really great meal as well. Everyone's always surprised how good our food is because they don't expect it. We're like a little shabby chic bar with a lounge and we have a tiny little kitchen, but we really produce good quality food and we have a full menu. So people are always shocked I think now that they are required to order food with their drinks because of COVID rules, mm-hmm. people are discovering like, wow, I really can come here for a meal. It's not, not just munchies when I've had a few. <laughs> now, one of, <laughs> now, one of the things I noticed on Instagram, correct me if I'm wrong, which is cool, is you guys are now serving brunch on the weekends? Well, we were before the second shutdown. Okay. Um, and it was amazing. It was so good on all of our local residents really loved it. Unfortunately, although we had people coming for brunch time, we're not really known as a brunch spot, so it never really took off. Although I have a couple of people asking if we'll bring it back. So we'll see maybe when the weather improves 
on a consistent basis. We'll revisit that. Yeah, that, because that looked so cool. And I remember when I lived in the neighborhood going way back, you guys would open, I don't know if it was around four or five o'clock. So I thought that that was very cool. And for those of you who live in New York, give me the address again, Alexis, the exact address. I know it's on the corner 13th. Yeah, we're at 52 8th Avenue. It's between Jane and Horatio Streets. It's about a block and a half south of 14th Street. So we're near the L train, the ACE. We're a block away from the 1 and 9. We're near the New Jersey Transit. So we're pretty accessible. Very accessible. And, and for those of you who are listening to the podcast out of outside of New York, one of the great neighborhoods of New York City, probably my favorite is the West Village. And so when you go to the West Village, you can walk around and, and see so many different areas and art bars, right? in the perfect location after. And what's really cool is I was there, not at Art Bar, but I was in New York City, I want to say about three years ago with my wife and kids because they have that museum now of illusion right, right in the neighborhood, yes. which is so cool. Yes. Really cool. Absolutely. And they, they incorporate math and science and really great for Instagram. I haven't gotten there yet, but the lines, always, <laughs> it looks very popular. Yeah, the and lines I've heard are it's there. wonderful. Yeah. It was fun. So we jumped right into it, Alexis, but if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about how you came to become the general manager of Art Bar. I know you've been there for a number of years. You've had an enormous impact, but I would love to know sort of your journey and how you came to be the general manager of Art Bar. I actually started bartending there just one night a week around 2003 and then just fell in love with it. And then I started picking up more shifts and all the staff tends to stay for a very long time because we have a really good time together. It's like our bar is a home and we're family and anyone who comes to see us is coming to our home and they, our family just keeps expanding and getting bigger and bigger. And even people who work there come and drink there and people who have worked there will come back from time to time. So I actually did a, a reunion in 2015 from old staff and regulars and new staff and regulars. And it, it was incredible. <laughs> I'm not yeah, surprised to hear COVID. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get to that point again. It's just so welcoming to everybody. And it's the kind of place that you have a great time with friends, but you can also come by yourself and feel comfortable because you can sit by yourself, but there's always somebody to talk to. And it's usually either the staff or someone next to you. I mean, it's just a very welcoming spot for everyone. That's really cool. And and I, I remember that as well. And that's one of the things that I think people are, are really missing, but it will be coming back soon. And such a big part of New York City is being able to go into one of these bars or restaurants and, and have a drink by yourself, but have it be the type of environment where you will find interesting people to have a conversation with or you'll get caught up in, in, in a conversation and just adds a whole new dimension of, of enjoyment to things. It really does. And we have all walks of life. We have the most interesting clientele. It's, it's just wonderful. I mean, there's no one type of person. It's all age groups. It's all backgrounds. People can feel comfortable coming to us in black tie or sweats. It's like anything goes. Everyone's welcome. There's just no pretension. It's just a relaxed, fun spot. I mean, we have celebrities. We have, 
neighborhood people. We have, it's a destination spot. I've had people come straight from the airport because they heard about our happy hour. I don't know where they heard about it, (laughs) but we have a very good happy hour every day. And, you know, our prices are so reasonable. That's one of our things too, is that we try to be affordable for everyone too. That's why we also attract a lot of students, (laughs) but we have all age groups. And really, it's just so fascinating. I'm glad to hear that it's, you know, because what you're describing is exactly how I remember it, even though it's been 20 years, give or take, since I was there. But it really was that kind of place where you could, and it is to this day, which is fantastic. I mean, you could go there and you'd never know who you'd meet. And it was a very eclectic clientele and uh, just a very welcoming place. I think one of the challenges and you alluded to it as we were getting ready for the interview yesterday when we were DMing back and forth, but I'd like to have you sort of elaborate on it a little bit further. One of the many unfortunate things, in in my personal opinion, that's occurred over the past 12 months has been the treatment of the hospitality industry in general. And I would say bars in particular, although you guys also have food as well. Right. What has it been like with this 11 o'clock cutoff? I just would love to hear your thoughts on that before I, I go any further because I, I have my own views on it, but I'd like to hear from you who's really sort of experiencing it in a very direct way. Really, really challenging, and I'm not sure I understand how it's helping anyone. People want to go out at night, and now the curfews are being extended for the trains and for gyms and other places, but people want to go out at night and drink, and for us, We have to follow these very strict guidelines and we have to be completely shut down by 11 o'clock, which means we essentially have to do our last call at 10 because everybody will want a last call and then I have to give them time. I don't want them to be leaving with a a bad taste in their mouth that we're throwing them out the door. (laughs) So we have to give them wiggle room to finish that last drink and to leave, but we also have to really nudge them so we can keep our license (laughs) and keep operating. So that's definitely really frustrating and hard for us. There are all kinds of challenges, but that's really hurting our bottom line because we're already, of course, operating at a tremendous loss with the limited capacity and limited space. So, yeah, that curfew could go away or just even go until midnight would make such an enormous difference for us. We were traditionally open 4 p.m. till 4 a.m., and we were one of the few spots that was always open till 4 a.m., whether or not there was business. I mean, we were old school. Like, no matter what, we are open. So you could jump in a cab and know that we'll be here for you. And that's what made us very popular with a lot of industry people, too, for the late night. So we'd have, you know, all of our different people throughout the day, but then we'd have a whole nother rush late night for people in the service industry who needed to unwind after work. And so we were also losing out on that as well. I completely agree with what you're saying. I think it's such an unfair and irrational restriction to impose on people because for people who aren't from New York, there really is an entire segment of the economy or just the population that would not even consider going out or would not be able to go out until midnight. And so to to restrict that, I don't see how that's doing anything. I have to agree 100%. You know, and by the way, the people, and this is so obvious, people who are out 
doing whatever they're doing. If they want to keep the party going, they're just going to go to their houses anyway. So it's not as exactly. if people are going to stop. But I think what they don't understand is exactly what you said, Alexis. I mean, I remember many times, for example, there was a time when I was in law school and I was taking some of my classes were night classes. And, you know, I wouldn't finish doing what I had to do until around 11 or 12 o'clock. And then you'd want to go out and unwind and had nothing to do with people that were just sitting there since four or five in the afternoon. So really unfortunate and really unfair among the many unfair things. But but better days are ahead. Now, another question. I, I agree. Right, 100%. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the other things, although I was never, I was rather basic in what I would, would drink. But I'm curious, how has the ability to serve cocktails to go worked for you guys? I mean, and is that something that has been a We're benefit? We're not doing it as much. I mean, it does make it easier when we essentially have to throw people out the door at the end of the night that we can at least offer them something to go with them. But we don't really do the cocktails to go so much because with that also, it's a risk for our license because with all of the strict rules, if we give somebody a drink to go, they're going to want to open it and start drinking it right away. But legally, they have to be 100 feet away from the establishment before they drink it. So, so you know, all these things are risk factors. And again, with the curfew, like we take temperatures, we get contact tracing information, our staff is vaccinated, we're following all of these strict guidelines. So it's like, just let us stay open. To go is okay, but... Well, then it undermines that whole experience that we were talking about, which is yes, the, the ability for people to have conversations and uh, mm-hmm. and do all that. Yeah, so we're not really encouraging it, but we will offer it. Our jello shots are really popular to go. I, I make a very mean jello shot, and they've become our top sellers, including my I do um, jello shot vaccines. <laughs> so that was something new that's come out over the past 12 months, right, this offering? Well, I used to do the syringe shots just on holidays, but it's just, I feel like it's so prevalent in people's minds right now. Everybody has these vaccines on the brain and plus it's sterile. So, (laughs) you know, people, you know, it's it's become really fun and popular. And then what happens is tables have been doing the shots together because we all miss that social aspect. And because there's limited seating, you can kind of talk to the table next to you because there's not a lot of background noise. <laughs> and so it becomes like a group activity, but it's also, you know, COVID friendly. So. <laughs> Understood. Now, I'm curious because I did an interview several episodes ago with Danny of Bon Senior, who's one of your neighbors in the West Village. And we discussed this, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. We'd alluded to it earlier. How would you say over the past, let's call it 10 years, the makeup of people coming into Art Bar are, by that I mean you have regulars, the West Village is a neighborhood when I lived there that you had people who lived there their whole lives and it was extraordinarily neighborhoody. On the other hand, there have been a lot of things such as the High Line, such as the Museum of Illusion, such as other things that have attracted... Well, we also have the Whitney. And the, the Whitney, Whitney uh, right, 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 yeah. the Whitney. How would you say, is it? does it skew more towards neighborhood or do you feel that it's now becoming something no. where you're seeing a lot of people who come to the neighborhood for these attractions? I see a lot of everybody, to be honest. I mean, that's one thing that's been consistent throughout is that, honestly, we get everybody. And I get so many people, believe it or not, who have found love at the art bar. 
I can't even tell you how many people, including former staff who are now married to their partners. It's also a really popular date spot. We have the working fireplace in the back, which is very cozy and romantic, but it's amazing. I've even had a 21-year-old young lady came in and was like, I can't believe I'm here. I'm now 21, and and this is where my parents had their first date. So I am so excited to drink here, you know, We've been around 32 years. Yeah. That right there is a perfect example of of what you get when you truly have an establishment, a business that is inextricably tied to the neighborhood. And it goes to show you, and this is one of the reasons why restaurants and bars throughout this entire year have been forefront in the news, because they're so central to people's lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. On every level. They really are, yep. And I think that that's something that... We can see that it's already starting to come back, but there was that tremendous, and especially in in a city like New York, because even though it's so crowded, it can be a lonely place at time. And the ability to sort of find a friendly face or have some sort of human interaction, really the the bars are the places. Well, it's that tears idea, you know, everybody knows your name. And that's true. It's how it becomes. Like everyone who comes to us, if they come more than once, we know them. We know what you want to drink. Maybe you want to try this. And it's a place where you're just comfortable and you feel like you're home. It's like putting on a really comfortable pair of broken in old shoes. (laughs) You know, it's like they just fit just right somehow. And no matter what you're going through, it's just a place of comfort and relaxation. And it's a very special spot, I have to say. It's very much an institution. We don't try too hard. (laughs) We try to stay up with the times. But I mean, we're like a shabby chic old school bar. But something that I think is unique as well, and we'd sort of mentioned it before, is that in certain bars, you can tell, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with this, that the food is there sort of as as just, I don't want to say an afterthought, but as an accommodation. But at Art Bar, the food really is excellent. And a lot of the menu offerings, I mean, you can see are excellent. You guys obviously take the food very seriously. How do you, yeah, so so talk about how that sort of gets balanced off with the bar environment and the food and, and how, not prioritized, but just how the whole thing sort of works with each other. Because in Art Bar, for sure, you're not going to see that this is a place where they really are focusing on the drinks and the, the food is an afterthought. Everything is exquisite. And how does that come together? Well, you know, we've always wanted to have a good menu to fit everyone's needs because we are a bar that's for everybody. So we have like the traditional bar snacks, you know, the nachos and the wings and and all the yummy like popcorn shrimp and mozzarella sticks, all the noshes that you want after you've had a few drinks, but you can come and have a meal, a really enjoyable meal. So it's great for date nights or just didn't feel like cooking. And we want to accommodate people's dietary needs and vegetarian needs and vegan needs and, you know, and whatever allergies. You know, I mean, a big part of our listening audience and the reason I started this podcast was to create content for people who are interested in in really learning more about the business side of the hospitality industry. There's a lot of content out there on recipes and foodies and all of that, but there's so much fascinating information on, on our business that has to do with running it as a business. And so for people that are listening, what I'm hearing as I'm listening to you is every aspect of Art Bar 
is done in a manner that's not only meant to really make it incredibly comfortable and welcoming, but that also is doing everything it can to meet the needs of their consumers. Very important to think about. There are no small details in being successful is sort of the point I'm getting at. Right. Well, we really do try to offer something for everyone. And so that seems to be a good recipe for us. And we want to keep our customers happy and they're happy, we're happy. And Now, what type of, now your Instagram page, which I found out you do the photographs for, is beautiful. Thank you. Having been around for over 30 years, obviously, it's very well established. Do you find that there's any type of specific marketing or communication to the community that you look to do? Or is it just purely organic with word of mouth, Instagram, and things of that nature? I I think a lot of it is organic. We're such an institution. We've been around for so long. Through the years, I feel like everybody's heard of our bar or been there at some point or knows somebody who's been there. But of course, Instagram is helpful. That That's definitely a tool that I've been using to reach people and let them know what's going on, especially since there have been so many changes of late. Today is the first day we reopened on Tuesdays. Beautiful day for it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And so we're not back to our seven days a week just yet because the traffic's just not there with all of the closures in the city. And But now that the weather's improving and the daylight's longer and I'm hoping more people will be out and about and coming by. And With Art Barn, as you said, being an institution, being around, what would you say is the main reason that it has had this success and longevity? What I'm hearing listening to you is the people and the love they have for Art Bar. But I'm curious to know your thoughts. Well, I think that's definitely part of it. But most people who come for the first time, and we have a lot of newcomers now because the face of the neighborhood, of course, has been changing, a whole new generation coming in, and they just really feel comfortable. And they're like, this place is cool. I really like this place. It's fun. It's cool. It's comfortable, you know, and they just enjoy themselves. And I think it's because there's no pretension and there's new things to try, but then there are comfortable things that they already know and want. So I think it's a little bit of everything. As you were speaking, I was thinking, Alexis, too, that as we've been in this world, even pre the past 12 months where people are using social media and and there's a a certain level of detachment, there's a greater cry for authenticity. And I think that that's another thing that gives places like Art Bar and other really great institutions in New York their value. Because with so much out there that people are doing that is not in person, and as you know, people can curate things digitally and and try to create something, people want the real deal. They want that humanity. They want that authenticity, which can't be faked. Well, we have history, too. You know, it's a historical spot. That's true. As well. That's yeah, true. And our, actually, our building is a landmark building. In, in the 50s and 60s, I discovered a few years back that it was a very popular lesbian bar. You know, of course, mafia run, because in the 50s and 60s, any gay bar was mafia run, from what I understand. But yeah, so we have like an LGBTQ history and we're a landmark building and it's just a, it's a historic neighborhood. It's a wonderful, as you said, the West Village is a very special place. It's 
It's one of the best walking neighborhoods in the world. I mean, you don't even realize you're in New York. No. You can, you know, these cobblestone I streets. I just saw a segment the other day about relieving stress and how you should walk without your smartphone. And one of the places they suggested walking was the West Village. Definitely. I mean, I remember, I don't know, do you remember the place called Grange Hall? Do you remember that restaurant? That was another restaurant in the West Village, and I forget what street it was on, but literally in the fall, you would turn down the street and it was almost like a dead end or a cul-de-sac, and you're in a whole other world. You're not in New York City anymore. And then if you keep right. walking, you're by the river. So there's a lot to be attracted. I mean, I loved it. I lived there from 93, and then we moved to further south to Tribeca. And I think it's also cool because when I was there for the Museum of Illusion, we walked around again. And although obviously the meatpacking districts changed a lot, a lot has still stayed the same. Once you start walking on Horatio and Jane and Bethune yeah. Street, it hasn't changed at all, which is fantastic. I agree. Over the past, let's call it 10 years, what would you say, because I'm curious and I, w- I want to have some information for aspiring mixologists out there and get the benefit of your insights. What would you say have been some of the main changes in trends for cocktails over the last five or 10 years that you've noticed? Something that really has sort of changed. I've noticed all of the old school cocktails have become popular again, especially like in old fashions. I'm amazed like this whole new generation is all about these old school cocktails. And so that's really interesting. Also, post-COVID, I think a lot of people were home drinking beer and wine. So now they come out and they really are excited about our martinis because we have such an extensive martini list. So it's, I think they're like, I'm bored with beer and wine. Just make me something fabulous, something different. So yeah, it's definitely a lot more mixology, which is really interesting. I mean, we still have our tried and true beer and, and wine drinkers, but yeah, definitely more cocktail-based. That's actually a great point, which I hadn't thought of. And I, I've heard people discuss it within the realm of cuisine, but it makes perfect sense that it translates as well to cocktails, which is as people get out more and start going out more, they're going to want experiences that were not what they could create at home. And and certainly right. an elaborate, professionally made cocktail is one of those. And even if they could do it at home, somehow it always tastes better when somebody else makes it for you. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> It's true. And the thing that's really occurred in in the whole mixology space, and there's so much going on there, but there's a real precision to it. And even with these classic drinks, from what people tell me, you can really see the signature sort of uh, impact on the person who's making it by just changing some ingredients or changing the amount of certain ingredients. You know, it's, it's something that I think people are very much craving and a unique experience that people have been lacking. I definitely have experienced that, yes. So one final question that I have, because I'm very curious, you you obviously have done, you know, a great job communicating what makes Art Bar special. And and as I said, if you haven't checked out their Instagram page, please go to at Art Bar NYC, at Art Bar NYC, you'll see great photos. If you were to sort of give somebody advice that was responsible for either starting or running a bar and you wanted to have them do things that would be necessary for that bar to be successful now into the future, what would you say is the one or two most important things that they want to look at, either at the beginning or wherever they are at in their journey? Maybe they're looking to turn it around. Well, 
again, I, one of the things I think works for us is that we don't try too hard. We stay too, true to ourselves and we just try to focus on what you're doing and have something that works for everybody. If that helps, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's a great point, And I've heard other people say that as well. You know, it's tricky because it's a very unpredictable business and the world has changed so much over the last year. So it's really hard to say because everything has changed. So people's perspectives have changed what they're looking to do and what they feel safe with. You know, I mean, for us now we have outdoor. We never had outdoor before. So, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole new realm. So trying to be ourselves under these new guidelines and, and restrictions. So it's very different for all of us. I mean, we don't have a bar yet. We have a full bar, but we can't have any patrons sitting at the bar. So bartenders were all running around and now we have server hats on. So that's a whole new different service for us as who are used to being behind the bar, almost like on a stage, so to speak. Now we're, I feel like we're more exposed, but it also gets us to know people better, which is really, I've gotten to know so many of our neighbors who have been there for years and some of them never came to our bar, even though they lived right around the block. And now, you know, so it, it's really interesting to see, like, I feel like we're more in the community now, whereas before we were kind of like, you walk into a dark bar <laughs> and now it's, I'm still figuring it out as we go. I mean, it's a whole new world. Really? It's true. And it's funny because when you would go to Art Bar, you would enter sort of its own world. But the fact is your location is really prime for people watching and, and being outside. So I think that that could also, something cool that's come out of it. Because I mean, I to be sitting outside from Art Bar is a, is a unique experience. But again, the location is really so well suited for it, you know? It really is. It's great for people watching. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, Alexis, this has been a real pleasure, and I'm, I, it's brought back a lot of very fond memories for me. And um, I would just say to anybody, if you live in New York City, definitely make the trip to Art Bar and spend some time there and walking around. It's something not to be missed. And if you're coming to New York to visit, whether you're from out of the country or, or out of the state, it's always great. I, I like when I travel, and I'm not that much of a traveler, but I think it's always great to go outside the traditional tourist places. And there's no place, you don't want to come to New York City and miss out on the West Village. So no, it's very much a neighborhood. Yes, very much a neighborhood and a place where you can go and relax and be a part of history, American history, New York history. It, it's just great. So please check them out on Instagram at Art Bar NYC. And Alexis, thank you again for taking the time. I really, really enjoyed this. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love talking about Art Bar. It's my heart. So thank you thank for you. including us. Have a great day. You too. Take care now. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net. <laughs>